from BCA, I think one of the terrific things about St Matthews and St Bart's is the uh, support that we give to BCA and uh, just having seen all the boxes come in uh, over the last couple of weeks and being counted and the money being sent off to, uh, to the office. And also uh, through our support for the Church Missionary Society and the Bible College of South Australia and uh, through that other organisation whose name I can't remember, but Craig Broman is in charge of it. Work and faith? And so uh, to have uh, John here as uh, someone to represent one of the uh, missionary societies that we, uh, we support is really good. So John, please do come. Thanks, Stuart, and thanks for the very warm welcome. It was certainly great uh, at 8.30, and it's good to, be, good to be with you this morning. And um, I just want to say up front, Gita is a much more interesting person to get to know than me. So uh, make the most of it. Uh, interesting fun fact, you know, immigrated from Malaysia, first year in Port Augusta. You think, well, how does she end up here with a bloke like me? I mean, seriously. So anyway, much more uh, interesting to chat to, so please do that. What I was going to do was just to spend the first few minutes chatting a bit about the work of Bush Church Aid. And I want to say up front, because I always forget to say it, um, that um, I've been a long-term supporter of CMS and we want to keep praying and sending our best to the nations overseas, um, but if any of you don't want to go overseas, come and talk to me, because Bush Church Aid, we need you, okay, so uh, um, we do, but um, for the nations in the country. Now, uh, just as we get things going, here we go, excellent, so if you want to uh, just pull out all the goodies in this brown bag, uh, we all recognise that little thing on the front called a QR code, if you want to find out more um, you just QR code with your phone, it takes you to the website and you can, you know, uh, there's all sorts of uh, information and stories there as well. But of course, from the beginning, Bush Church Aid over 102 years ago uh, was commenced in order to go the distance uh, to make sure that every man, woman and child had the opportunity to hear the gospel no matter where God put them. Um, in this great land of ours called Australia. And uh, a room of uh, lay people like this with some clergy got together in St Andrew's Chapter House, a church in Sydney, um, over 100 years ago, convinced and convicted that Christians and churches in the cities, we could be doing more to partner together to send and support messengers, uh, people, people, uh, doctors, nurses, you, you name it, um, Christians, to go out with the good news of Jesus. But also ministers as well, to start churches, to pastor churches, so that um, people had that opportunity to be in Bible-believing fellowship, but also be taught the Word of God as well. Um, so the invitation this morning is, I guess, to get to know BCA a little bit more. If you're not already signed up to pray, uh, that's what the prayer notes are for. To give you a taste, these are Brett. These are the summer ones. Two minutes a day, you find out um, who the people are with BCA and and to uh, to pray for them as well. It's the best way to get to know BCA. Uh, for those, again, hopefully able to, willing to partner and maybe even go yourself. So uh, there's all sorts of creative ways that can happen. One of the oldest long-running newspapers in Australia, the Quarterly Real Australian, and. Uh, Lots more stories there you can be finding out 
things as well. But just to give you a bit of a, a taste, um, that's certainly a little bit of the story. So um, you can just see with the map there, and just with the prayer notes while I'm talking, just pop that down. Just if you let it open up to the middle, you see this big map of Australia in the middle. All those dots represent where we're currently sending and supporting uh, church planners, evangelists, kids workers, youth workers uh, and pastors as well. Mainly with Anglican churches, that's been the history and continues to be, but increasingly um, it's with whoever, wherever we are able to partner with as well. But just a little bit about, um, I guess, the ethos of BCA. You can read more about in the opening page there of the prayer notes, but I like to think of BCA, it's, it's for 100 years it's been a lost sheep society. And you think, what are we talking about? Well, that's why I brought Barbara along and she is desperate to get into the action here. Okay, so, morning everyone. My name's Barbara. Oh, they're a bit shy, aren't they, John? Yeah. You want to say good morning to Barbara? Oh, that's better. Oh, look, you never guess what happened. I got really, really lost one day. There I was, lost and alone, and I was shaking. I was so scared. But then the owner, my owner, there he was. He'd come searching for me, and he found me, and I was so happy. Yay! And he was so happy. Yay! Do you know how to be really happy? Yay, okay. <laughs> Good, you're happy too. Yay. But then he put me up on his shoulder. He was so happy. Yay. And he carried me all the way home. <laughs> I was so happy. Yes. And I was saved. I was once lost and found. And there I was back with all my friendly sheep. Wow. So someone could kill me and take me home and eat me for dinner. What? What? No, that's not part of the story. You're right. Now, I love that story that Jesus tells, Luke 15. Uh, just to remind us that, of course, Jesus tells those three parables to take us to the heart of our Heavenly Father that it rejoices when just one person who's lost and is found uh, repents and turns to Jesus and is saved and brought home. And it's just a reminder, isn't it, that seeking and searching, being a part of Jesus' mission until he returns, um, that we're not told how long the owner searched for. Uh, the father of the lost son, how long he waited for and looked. Um, and so we just never give up, never give up uh, on people until Jesus returns. I th every, every healthy uh, mission organisation mentioned this morning by Stuart and, of course, local church, like St Matt's, it's the heart, isn't it? It's, 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 it's what it wants to be our heartbeat of the Heavenly Father. That's the mission we're all a part of. Um, and, of course, the way God seeks and saves is through the message of Christ. Um, and we learn all about Christ in the Scriptures, So, which means BCA is a Bible movement. It's about putting the Word of God sharing the word of God, teaching the word of God, pastoring people in the word of God. Um, it's a backyard, it's a big backyard, big backyard. The word on the street that there's someone who comes to this church believes that every um, adult that God brings to this country should be within, um, be able to access a good Cooper's beer. 
Well, of course, we want every man, woman and child to, be, to have access to the word of God uh, and to the good news of Jesus. And as I said, it's ascending our society as well. And so just a couple of just encouragements. Uh, of course, we recognise the Henleys, Joe and Brad, who discipled here and so wonderfully sent out and supported over nine rich years of, of ministry. God uh, used them to, uh, to pastor the 4,500 people on KI. And I had the privilege of being over there with them for a weekend before they finished up. And it was just so humbling uh, to see how much they were loved and, and ha- invested in the community and how God had used them to, to reach people with the gospel, to help people to continue. And obviously some, some really uh, all sorts of seasons, um, some bushfires and, and, and other things over there on the island as well. But, uh, you know, they had uh, removed half the pews at the back of the church. I'm not suggesting anything here, okay. But um, they did that so they could actually launch a all-aged 4pm family service um, sitting down, it was very relaxed and low-key, but um, just to, to hear and see Brad and his element was, was amazing. It was packed. A third of the people who came were not Christian. They, they weren't normal churchgoers. Um, and so that's just some of the legacy that they've left on the island, but all because of you guys and, and churches like St Matt's sending and partnering so generously. So please pray that God would um, uh, yeah, raise up and... and uh, another family to to go to KI as well talked to Brad two weeks ago settling in well up at Noosa finding the climate really tough it's pretty life's pretty tough up at Noosa Um, no no the climate's much better for his health but um, for your encouragement um, they are settling in keep praying for them but um, their sort of main role is looking after the little church at the end that they was started in the local primary school that the Anglican church planted five years ago it's already increased by 25 percent from them being there, so uh, just terrific. Uh, if you've never been to the underground church in Cooper Pedy, it is worth a visit. It's it's a ripper place to visit. It's a long-standing Bush Church Aid church. It's on BCA Road, and please again pray for God to raise up someone there, uh, not just for the 2,500 people in the town, but, um, of course, hundreds and hundreds of people um, stop to look through the underground church and as they get shown they hear the gospel and get given a, a gospel tract um, and so uh, who knows what God uh, you know has and will continue to do with that uh, this is Andrew met Andrew up at Noonglinia Bible College been going for over 30 years it exists solely to make disciples and to train indigenous people from anywhere in Australia or the Tiwi Islands in biblical literacy to teach them about Jesus, to help them to, to live the Christian life and to, to then go back to their own mobs and in their own heart language, teach them about Jesus. And this is Andrew. He's um, had an amazing testimony, first time there um, for his first certificate in, in, in biblical literacy. He was from Tijikala community, 120 kilometres south of Alice Springs. His dad... Uh, had been through the program, was sort of the pastor, the Jesus guy, then his older brother, and now it was his turn, and he was so excited um, that it was his turn. But uh, the federal government, it's a beautiful partnership, the federal government will fly in, they'll pay to fly in any Aboriginal person from anywhere in Australia to to, to Noolinia Bible College and pay for their accommodation. And then Christians and churches like us, we pay for the, um, the, the Christian staff there who teach them 
uh, all about Jesus. So we're really hoping that arrangement continues, obviously. Um, they've got a real problem. They're full. Um, they've got so many more people who want to come that they can accommodate. They can only accommodate 70 at a time. So what a great problem to have. The Holy Spirit is doing something among Indigenous people in Australia. Um, as I said, as we finish, BCA is about giving the greatest gift uh, and um, it's just such a privilege to meet uh, Christ Select wherever you travel um, around Australia. But to uh, experience the nations that God is bringing, some of the most multicultural places um, that we can experience, places, mining communities like Cooper Pedy, Roxby Downs, Newman, Carruther, these places. It's the only place where people can find life and a job. So at Roxby Downs a few weeks back, met Ming, his mum and his dad. They'd just been in Australia for two months. Their first experience of Australia was Roxby Downs. Um, from um, Bangkok, could barely, barely speak English, um, and they turned up to Roxby Downs Community Church to find community and to learn about Jesus. Um, when I was there, there was 30 people there, 15 adults, 15 kids, 25% of the town are kids, and um, uh, from six different nationalities represented. So uh, it, it's amazing opportunity what God, uh, I think, is doing, and having grown up in the country and now find myself back in this role after many years being a city slicker, it is so humbling uh, to be reminded of the mission field that's out there. Um, Seven million Australians now living outside our capital cities. Uh, the rate of people exiting cities to live regionally and in rural locations has increased by 300% since COVID. No sign of that slowing down. And uh, we are praying... Um, for more uh, more partnership. Uh, seven new positions have been approved next year. Um, BCA is already the largest it's ever been in its 100-year history. And, um, of course, there's hundreds more communities and towns that need to know about Jesus. So 100% of giving goes to the field. Um, roles like mine, all, all the back office roles are paid through other investments uh, and, and bequests and things like that. Uh, substantial gifts, of course, what that means, that allows us to start brand new works in brand new regions um, that, that are less reached and less resourced with the gospel and people who can actually teach it. So commend that to you. All the information in how to give, um, leave bequests, sign up is in your pamphlet. Please come and chat to me. And if you love jumping in a car, going on a holiday with a caravan, we have a thing called the Nomads. Uh, uh, over 100 people go and go places and just offer to do practical things uh, as well to help out in those locations. So commend that to you. Just going to put Barbara down here. And um, as you're eating your lamb for lunch at Christmas, remember Barbara, okay? Excellent. Hey, um, you've got these great red bricks at the end of your aisle, uh, the Bible. So if you want to open up to page 924, we'll spend the remaining time just um, looking... A, uh, a few things from chapter 15 of Romans, such a beautiful, beautiful chapter all about uh, the hope of the gospel and uh, get into that. So page 924, just in those Bibles at the end of your aisle, that'd be great. Well, just as we change gear, I wonder 
uh, how you're feeling at the moment, feeling about the future, your future, your children's future, your grandchildren's future. Uh, we've just been told there's a new variant we're trying to keep out of COVID, you know, of our country and thinking that the border closures are about to end. Well, who knows what is around the corner in 2022? Do you have hope for the future? What sort of hope? Paul finishes the main body of his letter to this little church plant in Rome, reminding his readers that the God of the Bible is one of astounding hope. And so there at the start of the chapter in verse 4, we read that for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And again, verse 13, that prayer at the end of the passage we heard read, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that, do you feel you're abounding in hope at the moment? It raises a question, I think, in these times. Is the Christian hope credible and reliable? Or is it fiction and fairy tale and, and more wish list? These questions became very real for Christian writer and pastor Dave MacDonald, who I know. He spent 25 years planning and pastoring a church in Canberra. He and his wife had just finished up, sold their house, put all their gear in a container. It was in Darwin where they were moving to, to start a new church. He had a bit of chest pain, a bit of shortness of breath. Probably should go to the A&E. He did. Thought he was having a heart attack. Turns out his heart was fine. They ran some more tests. He was sat down by the doctor. Dave, you've got stage four lung cancer. It's terminal. He, got, he was hit by a freight train. He writes about the whole experience in this little book called Hope Beyond Cure. Hope Beyond Cure. I'll leave it out on the, on the table. You can take a photo and, and grab a copy. But it's really real. He said he, he was... Shirt fronted and sifted like he'd never expected to be. He's a Christian, he's a pastor, a preacher. And there he was asking the really hard questions. Do I really believe Jesus rose from the dead? Do I really believe that I will be raised from the dead? Because suddenly that line over the horizon, his death, the finish line, it was right here. Do you have hope for the future? Christian hope. Are you abounding in it? Christmas is a great time of the year to revisit the evidence for the truth and credibility of Jesus and what he offers, I reckon. Brings us to point two, because not only is the Christian hope a radical hope, the reason it's a radical hope is because of profoundly radical reconciliation that God has wrought between himself and humanity. A radical reconciliation, which is those verses read out, verses 8 to 12. Jesus' apostle in these verses, he rehearses three pieces of evidence for the truth of Jesus, that he really is God's hope for a world without hope. It's like three legs of a stool. The first piece of evidence there is at the start of verse 8. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised, or the Jews, on behalf of the truth of God. Jesus was born a Jew. Historians know all sorts of facts and things about Jesus. God's truth. Do you believe God is true, that Jesus is true? Credible historians believe that Jesus of Nazareth 
was a real person. And that at nine o'clock on the morning, the date, 3rd of April, in the year we know as AD 33, credible historians believe that this Jesus of Nazareth was put to death on a Roman cross between two criminals. That's where the evidence leads them. Indeed, many respected historians and scientists are similarly convicted that the weight of historical evidence for Jesus' bodily resurrection three days later is not only convincing but credible. Now, we live in a time where where secularism is going rampant and um, all sorts of things are being said and for the first time ever, Christians are being called the bad guys. We're bad for society. First time ever in the history of this country, in the West actually. How do you feel about that? Being seen to be the bad guy. And then how do we live as Christians as bad guys and girls? Okay. (laughs) For Jesus, how do we do that well? And so I reckon Christmas is a great time to revisit the evidence for yourself. To think, yep, sure foundation, I really believe this stuff. Because when you're launching from a sure foundation... You can launch, but if you're not sure, we're more likely to stay silent and try to keep our head down. And so books like this is Jesus' History by John Dixon. Great little reads. There's seven left at Kurong. I just bought three. There was ten. Um, get yourself a copy, have a read, and then give it away as a Christmas present. Jesus' History, the second leg of evidence for the Christian hope here and God's radical reconciliation is the evidence of promises made and kept. Evidences of promises made and kept. Again, the rest of verse 8 there. I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised or Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed or guaranteed. Of course, by the end of uh, the Old Testament part of the Bible, the profile of who and what to expect when God's Messiah or Christ turns up, it's very detailed. It's like one of those... FBI profiler shows on you know CSI it's like but it's it's really detailed hundreds of years hundreds of promises one way to understand the new testament and especially the four gospels is the holy spirit inspiring the gospel writers to put together a big jigsaw puzzle putting together all the the events of Jesus birth life death resurrection ascension um things he said his miracles and and that putting all of that and matching it up to all the hundreds of promises that were made in the old testament to help to show us convince us of the truth of jesus that he's right he's worth believing and following and so for example um, at christmas we rehearse promises made hundreds of years before jesus was born this morning at 8 30 we lit the first candle the first advent candle the candle of prophecy or promise. And so we're told that the virgin will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Where's that from, do you know? Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We're told in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that God's Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Psalm 72, we're told that kings from distant shores would present him with gifts on arrival. Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 49, we're told that this Messiah would be a light for the nations, the Gentiles. They would believe in him and be saved. Jesus of Nazareth is the only one who fits the profile and no one else will ever come close. Hundreds of promises fulfilled by Jesus. 
And you think about it in a world where it's hard for us to keep our promises, isn't it? A world of too many broken promises. How good to know that who God is, he says, and what God says, he does always. He's a promise keeper. Fellow Christian pilgrim, R.C. Sproul, wrote these words. Hope is called the anchor of the soul, Hebrews 6, because it gives stability to the Christian life. Biblical hope is not simply a wish. Rather, it latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. Jesus' history, Jesus is the fulfilment of God's promises. Third piece of evidence for God's, um, Jesus being God's radical hope for a world without hope is the evidence of incompatible people glorifying God as one. Incompatible people. Together as one, praising God. What do I mean? Well, we're just 12 chapters into uh, biblical history, Genesis 12, and God plucks Abram from nowhere, makes astounding promises to him. And the third of those promises is that all people of all nations would be blessed through Abram's offspring. Back in Romans chapter 4, Paul has spent a whole chapter explaining why and how Jesus... Jesus of Nazareth, he is this promised offspring or seed of Abraham. He's the one through whom God intends and always intended to bless all the nations with forgiveness of sin. And that explains the three uh, Old Testament quotes there in the middle of chapter 15. Wherever you open the Bible to, we meet a God whose heart is for all the nations. It always has been, always will be. And so from the law, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, Deuteronomy 32. From the Psalms, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Sing praises to him, all you peoples, Psalm 117.1. Again, from the prophets, Isaiah 11. The root of Jesse will spring up. That's David's dad, King David's dad. Will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. Who is the him? It's Jesus Paul's point to his readers then and now is that the very existence of Jews and Gentiles together as one, praising Jesus, worshipping the same God, where their whole history has been one of hate, not being, being in, a, in the same room. You're talking West Bank here. But such is the power of gospel, not just to reconcile people to God, but to reconcile people with each other. Paul says this is evidence, the third piece of evidence that this Jesus, he really is reconciliation and hope for our world. And so local churches like this, meeting everywhere, living proof that the gospel of Jesus is the power of God to defeat any and all dividing walls of hostility, real or imagined, between people and between God. Of course, we get to the end of biblical history, Revelation chapter 7, and this is, this is where we're headed. I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. You know, I had the great privilege of going to chapel at Nulinya Bible College. Uh, 70 Indigenous people from all over Australia worshipping Jesus. They're very expressive people. But you would have to sing songs like six times so that everyone could sing it in their own heart language. And to hear people worshipping God, I had no idea what they were saying. 
thought, wow, like wow. Similarly, as, as I shared about Roxby Downs, but this is the third piece of evidence. History, promises kept, and incompatible people worshipping God together. And so from a radical hope and reconciliation to a radical community, a radical missional community who are together trying to make Jesus known until he returns. That's at the heart, the start of the chapter. You see, if Jesus really is God's radical hope for a world on death row, what sort of people should reconciled local church communities be? Well, we heard it in that reading from John's Gospel, didn't we? That it matters that we live and love like Jesus. It matters. And so at the start of the chapter, Paul writes this, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. Again, verse 7, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. A little bit of background helpful here. You had Jews and Gentiles in the church in Rome. Paul's writing um, on the back of the emperor having, um, wanting to blame the Jews for the fires of Rome. And so there was a massive persecution and all the Jews fled Rome from their life, including the Christian Jews. But now, now they're coming back into the city. The Christian Jews are coming back in, rejoining the church. Now, of course, the, the Gentile Christians have been running things, eating what they want, doing what they want. And you've got these weaker conscience Christian Jews coming back in who've, who, who you know, are still you know, brought up about what foods to eat and all this sort of stuff. And Paul's saying, hey, guys, he's especially writing to the Gentiles, you know, be loving. It's not about you. Be loving to each other. Behave and make choices that are going to build your brothers and sisters up in Christ rather than tear them down and cause them to stumble in their faith. That's the background of, of, of the letter here. And so what's Paul teaching? He's saying, well, local churches who are just being radically shaped by God's forgiveness in Jesus, by this radical hope of the gospel, we're just going to be trying to follow in Jesus' footsteps as we bear hard and costly things for the sake of those around them as we follow in Jesus' footsteps. And you think, well, that's, that's just impossible. I mean, how do we do that? Well, God's given us a gospel toolbox with three tools of grace. The first, he gives us Jesus himself, his son, not just as our example, but as our saviour who secures our future by his death. It's there in verse 3. Even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. That quotes from Psalm 69. It's about the Christ. It just reminds us that you and I are accepted by God, not based on our performance, but on Jesus' performance. Here is the one relationship, the most important relationship in the universe, where it's not up to your resume or CV or your performance. It's all based on Jesus' cross, his finished work on the cross that wins forgiveness for your sin and mine. Jesus' death on the cross is what makes us acceptable. He justifies us before his heavenly father is blameless and Paul's picked this quote up to saying just as all the insults of humanity all the hatred you know the um, the godlessness uh, um, the ways we fail to love and honor God all of that all was put on Jesus all fell on Jesus as our substitute in our place so we could be forgiven reconciled to God 
and live with the hope of resurrection life with Jesus when we die. And so not only are we saved by Jesus, but this is the mindset, the attitude that we're to have toward our Christian brothers and sisters, but also the lost. It really isn't about me or you or us. It's about Jesus and his honour in the other. And so we finish with God's final resources of grace to help us live and love like Jesus, the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Paul's just reminding his readers, they know this, I know you guys know this, the Bible is a book that just drips with hope. Because the Scriptures take us to Jesus. Who is God's hope for a world without hope? The scriptures take us to his suffering and death for us, for his bodily resurrection to the dead, to his ascension, that he reigns at his father's right hand with all power and authority and he's using that to intercede for us and to send the gospel out, to send the gospel out to the nations. And the spirit of God, of course, made sure that the scriptures were written for us, we're told, for Christians. The word of God is the sword of the spirit and only that is powerful enough to pierce heart and soul and marrow to save us, but also to actually mould us and conform us to be more and more like Jesus. Heard a beautiful little um, reflection from, what was his name at 8.30? Neil. Yeah, Neil from Zimbabwe, right? Yeah, yeah. And he just shared for a couple of minutes simply and beautifully how he used to have a lot of anger as a younger man. <laughs> and, and God's done this amazing work in his heart. He just, I just don't get angry anymore. It was, it was beautiful, wasn't it? It was a beautiful testimony to, to the power of God's grace to bring about that change. And of course, if you were to read on in the chapter, Paul goes on to enlist this church, uh, the reason he wants to visit the church is to enlist their prayer support and their financial partnership to help take the gospel to Spain because they haven't heard yet. And, 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 and until Jesus returns, that's, that's our heartbeat as a church. Whether we're going ourselves, it's whatever we can, whatever resources God's given us, our time, our talents, our, to, to partner, to help the gospel go out to the nations. And so as we finish, whatever might be around the corner for you in 2022, an unexpected diagnosis of cancer or a heart attack, death of a loved one, relationship breakdown, maybe just experiencing the consequences of your own sinful and foolish choices, a trial at work, maybe losing your job, being made redundant, ongoing health challenges or a new and more dangerous COVID variant, whatever 22 may hold remember that everything that was written in here was written for you to help you to persevere to endure to get to the finish line to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide we might have hope i love the way cory ten boom puts it a survivor from world war ii She knew about hope. (laughs) Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And friends, in Jesus, God is known. 
Let me pray. Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus Christ, we pray to you as the God of hope, the God who gives endurance and encouragement to us in the Bible. We pray your mercy that you might please help us to overflow and abound with this hope that only Jesus can give, that we might live, we might love, we might serve one another and the lost as Jesus came to serve. For your glory we pray, and in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen.